Welcome to Tracklisting, the podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old albums for some reason. This is Nick. This is Chris. And this is Caleb. And this week, it's my pick. Uh, I've got a special, something dear to my heart. Uh, this is the Blade soundtrack from 1998. Oh, goodness gracious. This is uh, a movie that I enjoyed over and over. And it was a soundtrack that I think technically probably my brother owned, which pretty much meant that I own this soundtrack too. I guess I haven't listened to it in so long that I probably don't remember it as well as I thought I would. Um, There is a lot of music, uh, as we say, inspired by the motion picture. It's right there on the the soundtrack tile. (laughs) A lot of styles too. We've got hip hop, some breakbeat, some techno. Some uh, some conscious, which is a style I'm not well versed in. <laughs> I'm not going to promise that uh, this soundtrack is as good as some of the recent soundtracks we've done, but I think that this uh, will be interesting in that, yeah, a little bit of different genres that we don't talk about as much as maybe we should. So let's uh, jump into it. All right. Track one is The Edge of the Blade by Mystical. So yeah, there's some uh there's it's not the only case on the soundtrack of some audio clips from the film being uh, incorporated into music. Yeah. And I got a one thing that I respect, a lot of these tracks that are inspired by the film, there's a lot of rapping about vampires. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know I love when a, I love a hip hop song that talks about the movie very explicitly. <laughs> MC synopsis, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I guess we should say mystical I remember some of his music fondly. He's a terrible human being. Yes. Who's been uh, spent some time in prison for doing terrible things. Uh, um, but that doesn't I deny remember, he's got a great voice. I love he's well, like one of my favorite voices in hip hop, man. When I was when I was young when he was coming up, I I always thought of him as like a, like a smaller DMX. He was kind of like DMX, but he looked like a he looked like Nick Cannon kind of. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, is this guy like it seems strange that this voice, that DMX's voice, is coming out of Nick Cannon. Uh, but then, as it turns out, Mystical and DMX both, like I think, have turned out to be terrible, crazy people who have spent time in prison. It's yeah. kind of like, maybe I should have taken the voice like more seriously. <laughs> I mean, DMX, uh, I mean, he, he just got way too into dog fighting, uh, which was his downfall. He loved dogs so much that he wanted to see them... Uh, tear each other apart uh but <laughs> mystical is uh bad for very different reasons i think <laughs> or maybe not oh, yeah. some real terrible and also uh mystical spent some time also for tax evasion which maybe uh, ties us into the movie a little bit ah, <laughs> Mr. Snipes. Tax, famous tax evader i'm sure we'll, we'll get into it as we go oh wesley <laughs> <laughs> i remember seeing this uh movie in theaters came out when i was in 
eighth grade. So this would have been a movie that I would have had to uh, sneak into. Mm-hmm. I think my friend and I bought tickets to see like Pleasantville or something yeah. and then just like snuck in to see this. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's based on a Marvel comic that I, I remember reading a little bit when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like Marvel had a stable of like horror comics that kind of would disappear for a few years and then pop back up in, in comic books. There was for a long time, there was this uh, board called like the, I can't remember what they were called. They were essentially like the MPAA of comic books where they would, they had like regulations of what you could put in comic books that were like too adult for kids or whatever. Yeah. And it was real goofy and it accounted for basically decades of comic books being really terrible because they were under this, like this weird set of guidelines. And one of the things was that uh, vampires were too adult for comic books. So I think what happened is that blade was like, maybe back in the sixties was uh, a character they created as this, you know, vampire hunter. And then when they couldn't, um, they couldn't use vampires anymore. He like disappeared for a long time because they like, I think they could have Dracula and there was a character called Morbius who they're talking about making a movie of, but, uh, he was like a living vampire. So there was a little bit of like a, a loophole. But, uh, mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I think that they, they finally either ditched that rating system or maybe there was a little bit of a, an easing up. And so. There was like the second generation of Blade, who was like a little bit cooler, like in the, I would say the 90s. And then when this movie came out, there was obviously like uh, a revival of the character and he started to look uh, suspiciously like Wesley Snipes and pretty much became yeah. Wesley, Wesley Snipes in comic book form. Yeah. Uh, it, what happened was uh, essentially what like the Hayes uh, movie laws, um, like I guess in the 40s or late 30s, like these movie laws came down and really restricted what could be in feature films, but they did the same thing with comic books, I think in the late fifties, early sixties or something, because they were like, comic books are for, are for children. We can't have this smut, this, uh, pulp comic stuff, uh, be for, you know, gross adults. (laughs) So like, yeah, but but it led to a lot of like really cheesy stuff coming out in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, the, the 60s Batman, 60s and 70s Batman was like super goofy, but a lot of people don't realize. I think early on it was like a little bit more dark kind of, you know, it was like a real detective comic book before the rating system took over. But uh, I got to give this movie credit in that this, I believe this to be maybe the first good Marvel movie ever made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is before. Yeah, this kind of kicked kicked off the whole stream of kicked everything Marvel up. movies. It's yeah. before the X Men movie with Hugh Jackman. It's before Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi, Spider Man films. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll say that for it's a comic book movie with a black lead and a black co lead. Uh, way you know how many years before Black Panther? I guess Black Panther was probably the next big uh, non white. Uh-huh. Maybe do Catwoman. <laughs> it was a year after spawn okay oh yeah uh, which is a soundtrack spawn, I yeah. to do but man spawn is bad and like spawn is really bad. i loved it as a kid i loved it but even the movie uh, as a kid i thought was ter- i mean like the comic book in general i just thought yeah. it was so cool and dark and like it's about the devil and 
Yeah, I'll, I was hoping that I wouldn't have to be the lone defender of this movie. I think this movie is good. I mean, I saw it, you know, probably at about the right time. Yeah, I think I saw it at, like, Will Tanner's house um, at, like, um, eighth grade, seventh grade, or something like that. And Yeah, it was a great house. And he always had cool R-rated movies that we could watch. Uh, I think we ordered it. But um, I don't know. On rewatch, I, uh, I'm a bit suspect just convoluted man i'm like let's go let's go we'll talk yeah, well, about let's, it but, let's yeah. uh, jump into the second track and then we'll talk about the movie some more sounds good coming in on track two this is half and half by gangstar featuring mop So this is, um, I actually really, really like this song. These are two um, uh, groups that I like quite a bit. Gangstar is Guru and DJ Premier. Premier is a producer and he's, he produces a lot of stuff for obviously Gangstar. And I think he did uh, some things with Eric B and Rakim, Mm -hmm. but he's, kind of hilariously the first producer i remember that he would sample a lot of his own songs <laughs> so like bold move bold a move. lot of the hooks where he would like pull out like a verse from another song that he had sampled like a year earlier and use that as a hook for his next song and it's pretty great uh the end of his career it's only like samples from all of us it's like uraburos just eating it <laughs> he has nothing left to sample probably started it before um before samples started getting uh you know legislated where people had to pay for samples but maybe yeah. he was just ahead of the head of the curve and he was just like you know who's not gonna sue me for sampling a song is me <laughs> double jeopardy it's double jeopardy <laughs> there's some artist i think his name is uh i think he goes by pretty lights might be there mm-hmm. this guy he I know um, pretty lights. for one of his albums he recorded all the music in a tr- like an analog style or like in a traditional fashion and printed all the music they wrote with like a horn section to a vinyl uh, just so he could have the vinyl to then, and then start the process over and then make the album from him sampling all the stuff that they spent all that time cutting to <laughs> vinyl, which is, uh, I was like, man, where did you get the budget to do this? That guy kind of like a LCD sound system. Um, James Murphy's first record because he he was just like producing or he had the label and he had his like little recording studio and he cut a track called Beat Connection just because he wanted to press it to vinyl so that he could use it as a connection when he DJed. He just wanted mm-hmm. to have this like uh, this beat that he had been working on so that he could work it into his DJ sets. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. was his first recording and he put it out I think as a, like a small single and it kind of started to take off. Dude, Pretty Lights came through Charleston a couple of times and I guess like had a connect with one of my friends and ended up staying in the apartment above me. We partied with him and he used my speakers for a concert mm. because no one could uh, figure out how to get their hands on some speakers. Oh, nice. So, yeah, yeah. You were the speaker guy. I was the speaker guy. Yeah, I could not attend the concert. I heard it went well. Uh, <laughs> 
And then I think they were like, they, this, they, they called me during it and they're like, they're not loud enough. How do we get them louder? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, I t- turn the knob all the way and they're like, that's ah, not working. I'll talk to you later, man. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Let's uh, take a listen to track three. This is KRS One featuring Channel Live with Blade. Yo, is this the money that he here? Yo, got this tab long, he got his dash uh-huh. on, so bring the best yeah. on. Yeah, we be slaying dragons. Channel Live, represent. When I freshly write, we the best tonight. KRS, be tight with a Wesley snipe. If you the best, be the lightning. We could be playing or we could be fighting. It could be damn, could be nighting. Whatever you saying, it better be writing. It could be exciting. But the fighting be frightening to the blacks and whites reciting our writing. Better we hype, not clash of the Titan writing. Beyond verbal fighting, expressing a lesson in song writing. Whether I'm right or wrong or both, I'm reciting the oath to be the most. It's uh, not a great song, but again, I, I respect how they're just talking about Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're committed. They're committed to what they're doing. Yeah. We're talking about the one another thing that I I think that this movie did right that a uh, a lot of especially Marvel movies, I think Marvel movies are rightfully criticized for the bad guy always just being a bad version of the good guy mm-hmm. in like ninety percent of Marvel movies, and um, I think that it would have been probably pretty easy to to have the lead a vampire be like a giant scary guy i think deacon frost in the comic books was like a creepy old man vampire kind of like, yeah. like jack the ripper or something mm-hmm. they, they got a tiny little steven dwarf <laughs> who's great in it by the way yeah, like, yeah. He's really good he throws great parties in the movie <laughs> <laughs> he's like a young tech startup vampire that like none of the old vampires respect and they're like get out of here he's like the elon musk of like <laughs> vampires decoding (laughs) these vampires they love they love rave culture and the only thing worse than a vampire is a vampire on ecstasy (laughs) i there's 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 a thing i think uh in a lot of in some movies and in this one particularly um the vampires have a lot of weaknesses where it's like garlic sunlight silver but it kind of you know, a lot of times it seems like they're all, I'll have a lot more weaknesses than like human beings do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, and it, I mean, sometimes the rules are different for different vampires, but it seems like if you kind of poke somebody with something silver, they just like burst into flames. Yeah. Where if, if you like, uh, maybe if you stabbed a human being with a, with a silver sword, they would probably still fight you a little bit. <laughs> but instead of explode, Yeah, they just evaporate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it kind of makes, it makes a case for them not being all that scary in a lot of ways. Well, I do love the like, yeah, crosses don't do anything. And they're like, what about garlic? Oh, yeah, garlic. Yeah, that works. <laughs> like, garlic totally kills a vampire. <laughs> like, what? Holy water, crosses. Yeah, that's all make-believe. Don't believe it. It's like, yeah. well, what about like cloves of garlic? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's some real stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, here's a garlic assault rifle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, dip your bullets in garlic, Blade. It's uh, like, so you got silver, you got garlic, you got sunlight, and then you also have like anticoagulants. There's like, yeah, just it's like just, a litany of things that are just lethal to all vampires. <laughs> <laughs> he does get this cool like device at one point in the movie. It's like a like a UV light that he can carry around and just kind of like shine on vampires and yeah, they, uh, flashlights they just burn. It. <laughs> yeah, flashlights yeah. kill them. <laughs> yeah, mag lights. <laughs> I think prob- probably the best... Uh, the best line in this movie 
his uh his kind of mentor slash sidekick is uh, played by Chris Christopherson. It's Whistler. Whistler. And when he he brings out the UV lamp, he's like, "Oh, I finally got the UV lamp working." And Wesley Snipes is like, "Still too big." And he's like, "But you're so big. <laughs> you're huge. Calm, calm down. <laughs> you're way bigger than these shrimpy little vampires. I tell yeah. you, Stephen Dorff is like a he's like Kevin Bacon. And Tom Cruise had a child." <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, Chris Christopherson in this uh, at his all-time grizzled. Um, I think, like, yeah, man, on the grizzled scale. What do you think? He's in between Nick Nolte and Kenny Rogers. Like he's somewhere. <laughs> he's like, there's yeah, like, there's man. a there's a Jeff Bridges in there. It's Jeff Bridges. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Chris Christopherson wrote uh, "Me and Bobby McGee," the the huge hit by Janis Joplin. Mm-hmm. I think he was a uh, yeah. I don't listen to much of his music, but I just know that he's a musician first. Yeah, and he was in a Stars Born uh, with the yeah the first one. Uh, no, no, the, the second third one, one actually. Third one. Oh yeah, I forgot. There's a lot of Stars Are Born. It was like one of the 30s, one of the 50s, and this was the 70s one with um, oh the uh, uh, Barbra Barbra Streisand. Yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> right <laughs> shortly after that in the 80s, Barbara Streisand was teamed up with Nick Nolte. And I was like, she's got a type, I guess, in uh, Prince and, uh, of Tides. Prince of Tides. Prince yeah. of Tides, which is a great movie, but just like these grizzled dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Barbara. Come, come over here and give me a kiss. <laughs> uh, you said that, uh, that Chris Christopherson's at his old time grizzliest in this, but. Uh, even though his character dies about three quarters of the way through this movie, he does make it to the sequel. Yeah, he comes back. And he's and even more grizzled. Even more grizzled. And he takes like the most massive beatings in the second one. Like he gets he gets like stomped at the end of this one. It's really sad. And you're like, oh, it makes sense because you know he's like an old guy and he just doesn't he's not able to fight back. He's got a bum leg, but in the second in the second one, he has a lot of action scenes, and he's just getting like pounded, and he like he like you know falls back, and then he comes up and like cowboy punches and like you know, saves a saves somebody or knocks <laughs> a, a vampire out. It's, it's a discussion for another episode, but I I do I do like the second uh, Blade movie. It was directed by Oscar winning director Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. It's a better movie, I think, the second one. And, like, I I guess I'd seen that one more than I'd seen this one, but uh, Blade's a lot more emotive in the second one, and he's, like, kind of, like, funny, and he's, like, quick-witted. And in this one, I, I was like, he's not saying anything, and he's kind of yeah. bad. Like, Wesley Snipes isn't great in this. There's a lot of... Uh a lot of his acting choices have to do with a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like something that worked after the matrix came out, but then uh, I think it kind of disappeared in the aughts before, before we start talking about the third film, I think we should, uh, we should jump into the fourth track. Sure. Track four is down to earth featuring Rome with fighting a war. Feeling my drift, D2E, the chosen man As the days pass by, I feel the world closing in So I keep my eyes open, wide and away Never gets too dangerous, best be sliding away Ain't no time in the play To get my vision clearer, I'm finding a way Prepare myself for Oh. 
from the vampires. <laughs> Gotta save the people. This soundtrack is shaping up to be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> this was this is kind of a throwback to maybe the early nineties, like the uh was like Nate Dog kind yeah. of uh the vocal accompaniment to like a really hard song when you got somebody doing some fake ass fucking gospel singing <laughs> or maybe like a coolio this is like maybe like a coolio uh, uh slow jam gangster's paradise gangster's paradise yeah, yeah, yeah. this song yeah. is pretty bad pretty bad pretty, know you know what's also pretty bad is the third the third movie in this <laughs> trilogy trinity no man they're they're all pretty entertaining I say. well what's Dude, the, the third Sorry, the third one, he like uh, Wesley Snipes famously wouldn't come out of his trailer for most of it. So mm-hmm. anything that wasn't like a real close, like a uh, close up shot, they, there was just a stunt double that did pretty much the entire movie. Yeah, he uh, he apparently became uh, unbearable to work with. Um, Patton Oswalt has some pretty good stories about it because he's in the third one. Um, and he like, yeah, he, he refused to come out of character. Uh, as well he was blade all the time <laughs> pure like, method <laughs> pure method <laughs> i found some interviews uh for this first movie blade and like everyone else like like in boucher writes like yeah my character's karen and you know she was she's found she's bitten very early on in the movie and and then like you know steven dorf is like you know my character is this and then it's just wesley snipes in his blade costume talking as if he's blade <laughs> it's like it's very different uh, character than Wesley. Uh, he's just like and he's doing the interview in character. Everyone else, it's like a press junket. It's clearly the same like backdrop and everything. He just showed up in costume, which is so good. Oh, he takes his work very seriously. I was, when I was a kid, I loved Wesley Snipes. Yeah, like uh, Passenger Fifty Seven. I even saw was it uh, Rising Sun, the the one with him and Sean Connery. Hmm. Uh, um, Demolition Man. He's great. In. Oh yeah, he's a great Demolition bad guy. Yeah. As uh, as Dennis Rodman in Demolition Man. <laughs> yeah. Um, recently, there was. Did you guys see the? Was it a Netflix film? My name is Dolomite, or Dolomite is my name. Yeah, he's he's fantastic was, in that. He's, he's like so the fancy, good in it. The fancy actor that they hire. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's playing a real person, but yeah, he's like the the thespian who's like above it all. Yeah, <laughs> like and just. The- Oh, really good. It was great to see Wesley Snipes in like a role that I that I could like really appreciate. He's so good. He made a cameo in the uh the first season of What We Do in the Shadows, which is a great uh vampire show. At like oh, yeah. he's part oh, of like yeah. the vampire council and he's in uh via Skype or whatever. <laughs> it's like Wi Fi is bad and they're like, I think your Wi Fi is bad, Wesley. He's like, No, my fucking Wi Fi is great. It's your Wi-Fi. Clearly, I have the best Wi-Fi. <laughs> like, Wasn't I want to say that Udo Kier was in that too, mm-hmm. which is uh, he's the the creepy like old vampire who gets killed about halfway through this. Yeah, he was uh, in the seventies. He was in. It was billed as Andy Warhol's. I don't know. It was something Kiss of Dracula or something. I can't remember. It was some. He's he's like, been a vampire three times, and this was the the third time he's a vampire. He was but, also uh, in uh, the original Suspiria, I think. Oh, like yeah, I didn't know who awesome. that was. Um, you would rec- I mean, he's, I mean he just looks like a creepy vampire, so I think people <laughs> just love throwing him in. Creepy uh, Eastern European vampire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into the next track. We are coming in on track five. This is PA with Reservations. 
NY's confident, niggas they feel the same pain to blow out your brains for nothing. Must be something in the water, making me not act like I order. Should've bought pamphlets for my daughter, but the drawers was on sale. Revelation tear, the sky will turn black, brimstone will fly. So what do I make reservations to when I die? When I die? When I die? So far, I don't remember hearing any of these tracks in the movie. None of them have been in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> None of them know. yet. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll get there. So I, just, I do. I I do know PA. Um, they were a group that was part of, or at least slightly affiliated with, the Dungeon Family, which was the Atlanta hip hop collective, like uh, Outcast and Goody Mob, mm-hmm. and that whole crew. But they definitely did not catch on because. I think this is probably the only song of theirs that I've heard. Well, they, yeah, they got a gold record for this. This uh, oh, really? soundtrack went gold, and I guess everybody who's Jeez. on it gets a gold record. <laughs> so you know, yeah, man, this uh, this made it to number thirty-six on the Billboard Top Two Hundred, mm-hmm. and oh, well, sixteen in Germany. Nice, wow. yeah. <laughs> Germany loves PA. Um, <laughs> I will say, I guess KRS One is you know like a a Bronx guy uh, a couple tracks ago. And I, you know, he always has gone down as like, Oh, one of the best lyricists of all time, like best flow, best lyrics. And like, I remember listening to a lot of it, um, a lot of KRS one, uh, listened to a lot of him back in like high school and like eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, just couldn't quite get into it. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I respect, I respect you as like a, an amazing lyricist, but like, he's never had a song that like, I really Doug, I don't know. It's tough. I remember the guy from Sublime had that song on, uh, I think it was their self-titled album. That the song is just called KRS One, and it's his little like tribute to him. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the first time I had, like found out about him. Actually, that might be. I, I bet it was a lot of uh, like young white kids' introduction into yeah. KRS One. And I know because of KRS One. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, KRS One. I always kind of thought of he was kind of the first MC I remember that was talking about how in his songs about how hip hop should be used to like uh, you know inform people or to like you know talk the truth about stuff. So maybe yeah. that, but I mean it's early hip hop, so it's super clunky yeah. and yeah, kind of bad. But uh, I like uh, "Sound of the Police" is pretty good. Yeah, still uh, you know hip hop with a message, which unfortunately doesn't age well, as we've talked about. <laughs> like. Like that sucks that it doesn't. Like I'm, I'm really glad they're trying to, you know, preach a little bit, but just comes off lame ten years later. <laughs> you dorks! What do you care about things, loser? Do you understand? <laughs> Let's hear uh, track six. We've got Wolfpack with Gangsta Bounce. Okay, 
So, Still not in the movie. Not in the movie. <laughs> Sounds like yet. kind of a, a bad Bone Thugs and Harmony kind of ripoff. But they are they're really getting into you know what vampires are weak to and and how to how to get to a vampire and i respect it get a bounce get a b- <laughs> yeah then it goes into bounce gangsta bounce <laughs> yeah. but like i guess I, I think kind of my enjoyment a lot of this uh especially the early part of this soundtrack is that i was going through and like see and like uh picking out the parts to play and I was like, "Oh, gangsta bounce! This will surely this won't have anything to do with vampires." And you're like, "Oh, no, yep, now yeah, <laughs> it does, yeah, <laughs> yeah." You gotta gotta hand it to these guys. Everyone's talking about vampires on the soundtrack. Uh, it's very on point. Uh, it's very apropos. <laughs> the music director sent out the brief of like, "Listen, guys, we're so excited to have you involved." Just to remind you, this is a movie about vampires and hunting vampires, if you could keep that in mind. And everybody took it really seriously. Yeah, everyone did their homework. Um, I mean, it, it must have been a great project to be a part of. You know, like, oh, Wesley Snipes. This is like a comic book movie. Like, this is going to be awesome. Huge budget. Uh, let's, let's, let's like write a real vampire song. <laughs> we got to be the vampire song. I should say that I didn't realize, but I had read a, that there was significant reshoots, and this was a movie whose release, I think, was postponed a few times. Mm-hmm. So I think that probably a lot of these artists, especially artists whose uh, songs weren't even involved you know, in the actual movie, they probably got to see at least a rough cut. Yeah. So they were probably pumped up on fucking Blade just tearing ass through these weak-ass vampires. <laughs> they were weak to everything. <laughs> there was... Um... I guess the original uh, cut was an hour and 40 minutes, which is about 20 minutes longer. And apparently the screenings were, uh, quote, disastrous. <laughs> like, Ooh. I mean, for a movie that's this action-packed, it does drag quite a bit. And, like, a lot of the action scenes consist of, like, you know, Blade killing a bunch of people and then grabbing one and being like, tell me about, you know, the blood god. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he beats some more. And then he's like, okay, let me tell you. That happens like four or five times when he's just... Almost to a comedic degree. <laughs> yeah, he's like throwing them around and they're like, all right, all right, I'll tell you. <laughs> kind of... The girl I, he's with too is like, is that really necessary? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. her like line in the movie. Like, You're destroying my apartment. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, there's a few... I, I, I like that they burn through his origin and basically like a pre-credits like... Mm-hmm. little uh you know a little bit of a prologue where yeah. a lot of like comic book movies even now like will burn like the first third of the movie trying to explain who blade is yeah. it's like you just they get straight in there uh character development we don't care he's a giant <laughs> half vampire vampire hunter awesome just loves killing vampires and then i i love uh it's like i guess a little bit maybe a reference to like uh what is it? The American werewolf in London mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, it's the guy's friend dies and then keeps coming back as like a decomposing zombie to kind of like talk to him. Uh, yeah. Um, but in this, it's one of the bad guys played by Donald, Logue. Donald, Donald Logue, who's yeah. really great. Yeah, yeah. He's like constantly like blade is just, just constantly fucking him up and he's just <laughs> getting like, 
brutalized like over the movie and slowly like putting himself back together and it just keeps happening <laughs> he's like no i just got that hand back man come on yeah donald Logue, uh he uh his part was much smaller but they liked him so much on set and he was so funny uh but it makes a lot of, he was uh, grounded for life and a show yeah, called like terriers i guess terriers is really good terriers yeah. is kind of famous I think it, it was like a basic cable show that only went for one season that everybody thought was unappreciated. I really enjoyed. Yeah. It was kind of like a funnier shield is what I've heard or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, he's kind of, Donald Logue is one of those guys that is always the, the best part of a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember he was a big part in, um, like the, uh, I love the eighties type things or like maybe I love the nineties. I can't remember. But anyway, he was, he was part of all that on VH one. And then they would cut to like, and now Donald Logue goes off the rails <laughs> and, like, and he would just talk about like the Rubik's cube for like an, an additional, like nine minutes. And like, okay, thank you, Donald. But like, so I think it's just his personality. He's just a big like chatterbox that is pretty funny. So they, they really oh, beefed up his part. As far as the uh, the wolf pack is concerned, uh, they're pretty scrubbed from the internet. I uh, couldn't find much on them. There's like a bunch of different uh, wolf pack with different spellings that uh, come <laughs> up, and like I guess the this is the this is the group that Vamp Hop forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but wolf pack this is wolf pack with a K. Wolf pack with a C is a rap group uh, by former Bloodhound gang member and co-founder of Daddy Long Legs. So don't get those two confused or you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> and not to be confused with Wolf Peck. Wolf Peck, yeah, which is great. Uh, which is white guys playing funk music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, and then there's The Pack, which is a pretty good uh, hip-hop group, or a group that I thought were great, and then I went back and listened to them, and I was like, they're pretty bad. They're, the rhymes are <laughs> are pretty terrible, but Shining is a good song. Vans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very curious to see if track seven uh, appears in the film. Shall we take a listen? Sure. And this is Things Ain't the Same by Casino. Selling away your posterior rear view mirror, admire me. Wishing deep in your heart to retire me. Want to gather up your heat and put fire to me. Like there's never been a hungry player pride of me. Why Things me? ain't the same since we came around. Jealous cats around town, no, we hold it down. Life is a gamble, we scramble to live. If my life's the good life, then yours got to give. Things ain't the same since we came around. Jealous cats around town, no, we hold it down. Life is a gamble, we scramble to live. Does not appear in the movie. <laughs> I thought that it might have just in the because it doesn't mention vampires at any point. I was like, oh, maybe this is actually something that's on the soundtrack because it's in the movie. It's interesting is the the prodigy was approached to um, to do this soundtrack or do a lot of the music for it, and they turned it down uh, because they are vampires. Because they are too close to home. Yeah, they, they were felt offended. They were busy. They they had some other commitment. Yeah, but uh, there there is a track later on in the soundtrack that sounds exactly like the prodigy <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna like, say is that the prodigy no but it's close yeah, it's, though yeah it might as well be and that's that that one does appear in the movie it's the, if it's the same one we're thinking of uh nikki what do we got next let's move right into track number eight this is deadly zone by bounty killer featuring mob deep and rapping noid 
This album was released on a uh, double vinyl, and uh, the going rate is uh, about a hundred bucks these days. Yeah, man, this is classic, classic vampire rap. Uh, <laughs> this song makes me. First of all, I should say Mob Deep are really, really good. Mm-hmm. An amazing, amazing rap group. Bounty Killer. There was like kind of an in the nineties a weird confluence where like gangsta rap and dance hall was always like mixed together yeah when it probably shouldn't i I think that at some point after the 90s somebody's like wait a minute why are why are we always having these dance hall guys involved in these in these collaborations like Mm -hmm. doesn't like the dance hall part's bad and then when mob deep comes in it's good like (laughs) who was another guy like that like Uh, africa bombata uh well like elephant man uh beanie man those two yeah. I, I remember really Buju, liking Bujubanta. Bujubanta, yeah but i, I, I mean, really some of those are, but it was always i always felt like the it was like a little bit of a forced collaboration you know like you remember when p diddy had the making of the band yeah and there was uh, some oh, dylan dylan <laughs> oh man the greatest rapper alive i think that the the best probably crossover would be busta rhymes who isn't very dance hall but has that kind of some of that influence and in busta rhymes some of that mountain dew flavor yeah busta rhymes is is really really good yeah but uh but yeah like i said it, it, just, it just reminds me that Hearing it now, I'm like, oh, yeah, that all went away and nobody noticed. (laughs) Uh, I wonder what uh, Elephant Man is up to today. I mean, hilarious, hilarious guy that got like, you know, halfway through his verses would just kind of go off the rails and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm not going to do an impression, but. um, (laughs) All right, Nikki, where are we at on the soundtrack? (laughs) Where are we, Caleb? Where are we? It looks like we are coming up on a break. Oh, wow. Uh, we're burning through this soundtrack. I should say at the end of the episode, we are going to add a song to the track listing Spotify playlist. Our favorite song that sucks. Our favorite sucky song in honor of uh, these weak ass vampires. And then uh, I think we we might have a game also after the break. Am I right? That's right. I've got a um, a bit of a departure of a game. It has to do with vampires. Ooh. Our special Halloween episode. I'm not sure when this is dropping. <laughs> Stick with us. Hey, thank you guys for listening to the track listing podcast. As always, we want to hear from you. Hey! Hey! Thank you for listening to this podcast. Welcome to our ad. 
<laughs> How can they uh, reach out to us, Chris? Well, you can find us on Instagram. That is at Tracklisting Podcast. You can Gmail us. Do people, I, it's 2020 now. I don't know if people email anymore. People but if, if, if you want Gmail, it's uh, tracklistingpodcast at gmail.com. And rate and review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And make sure to follow our uh, official Spotify tracklisting playlist on Spotify. Get on that iTunes and try to balance out our one one star review. Yeah, who did that? <laughs> hey! Hey! Thanks for listening. We love y'all. Welcome back to the Blade soundtrack. But before we get back, we have a special vampire game prepared by Chris. That's right. Tell us more. <laughs> That's right. This game's called Are They a Vampire? Uh, okay. okay. I have uh, found uh, an amazing list on IMDb that compiled uh, everyone who's ever played a vampire in a movie. And I've mixed in a few people that haven't. And I'm just going to okay. go down rapid fire and ask you two assholes uh, if they are a vampire or they're not. And you okay, guys, are we? So we're we're working together. Well, that's up to you. I don't. Yeah, let's let's. Okay, let's. All right. Yeah, you you two are working together. You two are working together. And uh, we're a couple of vampire hunters. We're trying to. Couple of blades. <laughs> you got to hunt these vampires, but you can't kill these innocent people. That also, like, how does uh, how does Blade know that people aren't vampires? Also, he's indiscriminately killing yeah. nightclubs full of vampires. All right, <laughs> are you ready? This is a long list. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready. Hit it. Jennifer Aniston, vampire, not vampire. No. Uh, no. Okay. No, you're right. She was never a vampire. David Bowie. <laughs> Has he ever played David a vampire? In yes. Hunger, in the Hunger, he played a vampire. That is correct. David Bowie was a vampire in 1983. Hunger. Vincent Price. Has he ever been a, a vampire? Yes. Um, in some old movie from the 50s. I'm going to say no. I just feel like... Uh, I need an answer. I feel like this is a red herring. I'm going to say no. He was a vampire in The Monster ah. Club in 1980. A little after his prime. Ah, there we go. So I'll just thriller. Do a point for Nick. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> little point. Little point. Mark Ruffalo, vampire. No. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, vampire. I'm gonna say no. Correct. Never been a vampire. Judd Hirsch, Woo! vampire. Judd Hirsch, Taxi. Was he a vampire in Taxi? Oh, kind of. <laughs> he was the dad in Numbers. Was he a vampire though? He's probably been a vampire in some B movie in the mid 80s uh i mean it's uh, yeah okay i'll say yes he was a vampire in that halloween that almost wasn't 1979 tyler perry oh vampire no okay. um no correct tyler perry has never been a vampire <laughs> susan Sar- susan sarandon vampire yes well, she was in the hunger but i don't know if she ever gets turned into a vampire in the hunger does she get bit uh, it's like Catherine Deneuve and David Bowie, and she's around. I guess I'm gonna say yes. I don't remember. Correct. Yes. She is a vampire in The Hunger. Olivia Newton-John, vampire. We're talking about Greece, but in Greece too, which I haven't seen. 
What happens? You get turned into a vampire. <laughs> it's uh, Michelle Pfeiffer say... in Grease too. I'll just say that. Well, then I'm going to say no. I'm going to say yes. I know that there are vampires in Grease too, but if she's not in Grease too, then I'm going to say no. Okay. Olivia Newton-John was never a vampire. Yeah. Okay. okay. You were thinking of Michelle Pfeiffer hmm. in Grease too. <laughs> she gets turned into a vampire. She dies in a ravine and then gets... Gina Davis... <laughs> Vampire, not vampire. Uh, I'm, I'm kind I'm gonna of say no. Say yes. Okay. Split. I, I can picture her being a vampire for some reason. I can't picture the movie. Gina Davis was a vampire in Transylvania six five thousand nineteen eighty five. Whatever the fuck that was. Of course, of course. Who could forget? <laughs> of course. Um, uh, Grace Jones, vampire, not vampire. I'm going to say yes. Seems seems right. I don't know the movie. Maybe does, late 70s. It does seem right, but I don't... I love Grace Jones as a recording artist, as a model. I don't know her from many films. I know her from like the Conan the Barbarian films. I'm going to say no. She was a vampire. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, Sandra and Vamp, 1986 was the name of the movie. Sandra Bullock. Actual vampire? Uh, Unclear. She hasn't been aging. <laughs> Um, um, say no. Practical magic was close. I mean, I feel like I've seen most, or at least heard of most Sandra Bullock films. Because she didn't do all that much before Speed, and then she was suddenly a big star. I'm going to say yes. Whatever was her introducing movie, she played a vampire first. What do we got? Not a vampire. Never been a no! vampire. Okay. Right. The point for Caleb. It's neck and neck, you guys. You guys are tied. Will Smith, has he ever been a vampire? Uh, no. I'm going to say no. In I Am Legend, he's there's like zombie vampire people that kill him. That he's no. like trying to survive from. That is no. correct. That is correct. He's never been a vampire, although he was attacked by vampire-esque creatures in I Am Legend. <laughs> uh, he, uh, Bill Paxton, has he been a vampire? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, near Dark, Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. That's correct. 1987. Paul Rubens, vampire? Um. Ooh. He was kind of a vampire in blow, but I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say no. Definitely no ribbons. Been in the uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer film. That's correct. That's the where he's ah. for like half the film. That. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> I'm getting sprayed with garlic from Caleb. Tom Hanks, vampire. No. Yeah, I'm gonna say no. That's correct. No, never been, Woo. never been a vampire. David Arquette. Has he been a vampire? Um, he's probably he probably got bit by a vampire in some movie. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm gonna say yes. I don't know the film. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Both correct. He was he's a vampire in that. Skipping down, Antonio Abandres. Oh, come on! He's the sexiest vampire. <laughs> Interview with a vampire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right. I can't get get past you guys. Don Rickles, vampire. <laughs> Always a vampire. When is he not a vampire? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say 
Yes. Don Rickles has played a vampire. It's gotta be a yes because it's too weird a name to put in. <laughs> I know. I exactly, exactly, precisely. It's gotta be like some Roddy Dangerfield, like Kiss <laughs> of the Vampires stand up special or something. Called Innocent Blood in 1992. Uh, there we go. All right, Christopher Walken. Ghostly, but has he ever been a vampire? Um, yeah, I feel like he's had a small vampire role. Okay. In something, so not not sure the year, but in the prophecy films, he was like an evil angel. Um, he was a headless horseman. I'm gonna say no as far as vampire. I can't picture a vampire Christopher Walken. That's a no from both y'all. That was a yes from me. Okay, Nick gets the point. He was a vampire in The Addiction, 1995. Yes, yeah. Corey Feldman, famous piece of shit. Corey Feldman. Was he a vampire? Yes. I mean, so he was in The Lost Boys, and he was probably in the weird sequel that none of us saw. <laughs> but Lost I Boys like, 2. Yeah, there's, this the, is a there's red two herring. sequels. I think that this is a red, her- red herring because he's so associated with vampires that you want to He's got a lot of vampire friends, for sure. I'm going to say no. So he is a vampire, and yeah. Tales from the Crypt presents Bordello of Blood. He's in Very good. Miller vehicle, right? I mean, Corey Feldman was in it, and a vampire. Uh, right, right. Sam Rockwell. Ever been a vampire? No. Don't think no. so. No. Both correct. Sam Rockwell's never been a vampire, although he's my favorite actor. Uh, Carmen Electra. Vampire. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, sure. I don't know what movie. American Vampire, 1997. Both correct. Yes. Gerard Butler. Vampire? Oh. Um, where are we at in the uh, score right now? Do you have that handy? Uh, Nick, you're up by one. Okay. Even though initially I thought you guys were working together. <laughs> but, but this, uh, we've turned against each other. <laughs> one of you is turning. So Nick, you're uh, up by G- one. So it's anybody's game. It's any vampire's game. Gerard Butler. Jerry Butler. Jerry Butler. But, yeah. Friends know him as Jerry. <laughs> um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say no, he has not played a vampire. But he got close. <laughs> but he was close. He turned down a couple I, of vampires. Yeah. I uh, I kind of want to say that maybe he was in 30 Days of Night, mm. which was that uh, vampires in Alaska. So I'm going to say yes. Caleb takes the point, but the uh, movie was Dracula 2000. Oh. 2000. Okay. He was vampire in that. He's one of those actors that was around for a long time before you realized who he was. That's very true. Like, it, he had no idea. Called Jerry. I think <laughs> that's true. Yeah, really? Um, okay, getting down to the final stretch. William, or Willem Dafoe. William Dafoe. Has he ever been a vampire? Ooh. I mean... I'm 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 gonna I'm willing to argue this, but I'm gonna say yes. Okay. I'm gonna say no. Seems a little too obvious. Okay. Caleb takes the point. Oh man! Quite. It was the Ethan Hawke movie. He plays a vampire who has turned himself back into a human. Doesn't count. Uh, he was in Shadow of the Vampire in 2000. Oh yeah, he was in Nosferatu. And Cirque du Freak 2009. <laughs> 
that. You movie with John Z. Where he he plays an ex vampire. Come on, he's a he plays somebody who has been a vampire. Doesn't count. He's not on screen as a vampire in that movie. Uh, Molly Ringwald. Or been a vampire. Mm. Um. I'll say yes, just because. I'll say yes in that she. I feel like she did a bunch of movies that nobody saw. Both incorrect. Molly Ringwald, uh, human by all accounts. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, Johnny Depp. Pretty creepy, but has he played a vampire? Yes. I'm going to say... I'm going to say no. Was it Dark Dark Shadows? Dark Shadows, 2012. Remake of the old soap opera, the weird British opera about vampires. Last but not least, Alicia Silverstone. Has she ever been a vampire? She must have been. Yeah, I for some reason I can picture her being a vampire in something, but I can't. Okay. I'm say yeah. Okay. She was in Vamps. Not until 2012, though. And uh, Caleb takes it by two points. Just a, a measly two. I could throw some more oh names out there. We could tie it up. We could keep doing this for the rest of the episode. Oh. <laughs> the list of 100 names. <laughs> the list is 302 names, and it's oh, anyone yeah. that's ever played a vampire. So I just I picked like, you know, like 20 and then threw some fake ones in there. Did my own oh, research. Man. Save, save it for uh, Blade 2 and Blade 3 soundtracks. <laughs> yeah, I'll do uh, Are They a Vampire <laughs> round two. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I owned the Blade 2 soundtrack. It was a bunch of uh, collaborations, original collaborations between uh, hip-hop artists and electronic producers. Nice. It's super weird. I... I, I <laughs> Uh, I, I like Blade Two. I think it's a, I think it's a better movie than this one. I'll, uh, I think I, I stand by right. it. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I enjoy this one quite a bit. Let's get back into the soundtrack. Yeah. Anyway, right, that's thank, the thank game. you, Chris. Thank you for <laughs> the game. And now <laughs> are they a vampire? No one's listening after that. <laughs> <laughs> that takes us right into track number nine. This is Majesty featuring Busy Bone with Blade for Glory. <laughs> Let's play a little game of uh, is this song in the soundtrack? <laughs> no. So. This is a, this is a weird I, I thought song. it kind of feels like it might have been in one of those uh, one of those vampire rave party scenes, but that, that was a, guess like, not. hard techno. That's what like the, the Dracula 2000 soundtrack, which came out a couple of years after this, was like intense heavy metal and hard techno. So I guess <laughs> vampires love techno, but. Yeah. What this movie yes. supposes is they like hip hop, <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't really because yeah, uh, I, I feel like we don't get to the actual soundtrack to this movie until I guess 
probably the next track uh-huh. and then uh and then the episode begins busy bone this is one of the members of bone thugs in harmony yeah this is the bone part of that yeah Bis- uh, busy bone's awesome yeah this song is super weird man i don't know <laughs> blades for glory you think it inspired the will ferrell movie <laughs> i think so blades how could it not <laughs> Oh, yeah, that song was a little uh, wackadoodle. <laughs> <laughs> Should we jump into uh, track 10? Let's do, Let's it. do it. Yeah. Interesting credit on track 10. We've got Mantronic versus EPMD with Strictly Business. Mantronic MBA radio edit. Chaos, the mask of yeah man this is a very 1992 even epmd is a hip-hop group and their original track is from the 80s i think maybe like 88 and then it's remixed by mantronic which was a i think he was a maybe jamaican born british dj and producer this is in the movie right am i wrong about this i don't know if it is (laughs) i don't think it is (laughs) i don't think it is uh there were a couple of club songs that got played like boom 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 um i i i'm fairly certain this isn't in the movie uh, really, I feel like I can picture him like slaughtering a bunch of weak ass vampires to the at sun. one of the clubs. It might have been playing in the background during one of those fight scenes, but um, but not that the internet could find nor could Darden's ear perceive. <laughs> I don't know if you could hear over the uh, over the browser, but there is definitely a sample in here that Daft Punk sampled for uh, Defunk. It's got that like yeah this bob marley and eric clapton have both got to be proud of this track (laughs) it's it's got a sample of bob marley's original song well it's got a sample of i shot the sheriff written by bob marley but the eric clapton version of i shot the sheriff Hmm. oh yeah interesting and uh yeah I'm sure that this is not what they ever had in mind. Yeah. Actually, Eric Clapton wanted- loves Blade. I'll say that. <laughs> He's got posters in his studio. He loves Blade, but he hates vampires. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's constantly plagued by vampires. Eric famously hates vampires. So I, 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 I was know. thinking in the movie, you know, as as Blade like vampires are still basically human beings and they have feelings and they can, uh, you know, rationalize decisions, uh, and they live amongst us. Is it right to just slaughter them the way blade does by just ruining their parties, ruining their parties, taunting them, torturing them. Uh, he's half vampire. You know, I, I, I went back and forth because I was like, well, they have to subsist on, killing humans to live Dude, you you have been living in bushwick too long you're like people that they just love to party and they live off the blood of others like what's so wrong with that <laughs> look have i been to a few <laughs> vampire raves uh yes 
Yeah, man. Blade, he's just a cop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the cops are under the foot of the vampires in this movie, which is an interesting... This movie is set in LA, and there are several scenes where Blade is just like shooting people on crowded sidewalks. (laughs) Yeah, shooting at a cop in one. Yeah, at a cop, like, like crazy and... Nobody ever calls the police and nobody does anything. They like scatter for a second and then they just start like walking around like everything's normal. Same shit, different day. It's a guy. In yeah, a- if you saw, if you were an innocent bystander and you saw a blade, I mean, he looks crazy. <laughs> in L.A., <laughs> it's so hot there too. Yeah. Blade Blade never really goes undercover when he's like going to like infiltrate some secret like vampire club. Yeah. He never does anything except for just walks up to the door and like kick his way through punches somebody until they let him in. Yeah. And then he walks into the club and nobody does anything until he starts beating the shit out of everybody. It's like, yeah. If he gets a hard time from a bouncer, he just kills the bouncer <laughs> on, the spot on the spot and then just ruins the party, man. I, I will say at the beginning of the movie when it's like, I guess, uh, Tracy Lords, that one vampire is like luring that guy to the vampire club um, and then he like immediately gets like shouldered by everyone like all the vampires are like mean to him in there i was like that's- that, first, that first scene is so great <laughs> yeah i know it's, oh, it's crazy man it's like maybe a little bit too square getting to like to secret the secret club yeah and it's like yeah we've we've all been in that position where you're kind of like okay all right well i guess i'm on my own maybe i'll just try to like dance with somebody or make a friend and people are like fuck you you're like, what? yeah no, I, I was like that's every club i've ever been to it's like my friends are immediately gone they've abandoned me and i'm just getting shouldered by people that i'm too intimidated by to say anything and then it starts raining blood yeah on the dance floor <laughs> blood bath Get that i mean we'll talk about it later because we haven't gone to that song yet but that's that's by far my favorite scene for this movie yeah the opening to this movie is pretty wild pretty cool and also, for some reason, so Tracy Lord is a famous uh, ex-adult film actress, mm-hmm. slash, and then she she like kind of want to be pop star. She, um, she did everything under the sun after her adult film career, I think. But well, the funny, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it, if this is even interesting or maybe it's gross to talk about. But <laughs> I know you're going to say. <laughs> in my mind, she was famous for being a porn star. It was like, oh yeah, like ex-porn star, like Tracy Lords. She like perform i don't know how long her career was it turned out that she lied about her age and she was underage yeah. the whole time yeah so like all those everything she ever did was like scrubbed and like people were arrested yeah and then she went on like it was she's a porn star that nobody really knew about or i don't know it's it's like a weird thing to think about now yeah the controversy hmm. is what made her famous i think is it like like news was like oh my gosh there was like a 16 year old doing porn for two years uh, you know, or a, a person doing porn underage for two years, and then like this huge like arrest thing happened, and then that's what like rose her to fame. Uh, and then like nobody, like she didn't continue being an adult actress after that. She just like was like a fitness person, and then like mm-hmm. kind of an actor, I guess. Or, I guess she's been in a fair amount of things, but like it's kind know. of like amazing to think of. I guess like the pre like internet age. Where you're like, yeah, I was like a, I was a, you know, an adult actress for a few years, but you, you know, nobody's ever seen any of that because it all got taken away. You're like, wait, what do you mean it disappeared? It's like, oh yeah, I was underage, it disappeared. You're like, something can disappear. 
<laughs> yeah, apparently, you know. Like, oh yeah, when it's a crime, it disappears. You're like, huh, weird. <laughs> Not the case today. Uh, but yeah, but for some reason, growing up, I always because she was she's like build higher than you would think. I always assumed that she was the blonde vampire lady. Yeah, you would think she was Stephen Dorff's like boy or girlfriend yeah. or whatever. But, but no, she, she's in that she's one like scene really and just then disappears. Scene, but right? she's like, you see her name in the credits like fourth. And you're like, oh, whoa. No. I was like, oh, I think we lost you for a second there, Caleb. Yeah, I'm back here. I wasn't saying anything. Ah, okay. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's get into the next track. Caleb's just staring into the microphone. <laughs> let's get into... Track 11. This is Roger S. featuring Soul Sun with Wreck the Discotheque. All right, this song has got to be in the movie. Yeah, that's yes, that's most definitely. This is this has got to be one of the scenes where he's uh, ruining the cool party. <laughs> definitely a scene where Blade is just fucking up a discotheque. <laughs> Damn like, it! I'm like, where is Roger? He's kind of good at doing it too. <laughs> Dude, nothing gets me going on a dance floor faster than the sound of a car just not turning over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know when your battery's dead and you just want to dance? Sounds all right. How do they how do, how do they spell wreck? Uh, this is W R E K and the is is the T T H A and discotheque is uh, D I S C O T E K. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. That's so stupid. <laughs> Yeah, man, this soundtrack is uh, shaping up. <laughs> I, I was a bit confused. I don't know if I wasn't paying attention. I, I'll just bring this up while I'm thinking about it. So Blade's mom was... Okay, so the story was, at the very beginning, you see that like you know Blade is born to his mom. He just got bit by a vampire, and then she right. dies, apparently of mysterious complications and then at the end she's back and did i blink or did i miss like why steven like steven dorf was the one who bit her yes why did he keep her Mm -hmm. around and are they like it was was it clear that they were like hooking up because i assumed that they were yeah i mean i think the implication is that if you if you attack somebody and you don't kill them then they turn into a vampire correct i think once they turn into a vampire you're like well like why don't you you want to party <laughs> live forever do you like to dance? party do you, like to, do you like to dance do you like to dance <laughs> um so i think that he probably tried to kill a pregnant lady and then lost track of her or whatever and then blade was born and then she turned into a vampire and then he like found her and he was like what kind of music do you like <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, it just fast forwards to however many years later. It's clear that Blade does not like music at all. <sighs> he's not into music. No, he's not a music guy. He's got one plant. His place, his apartment looks kind of cool, actually. <laughs> his, his little shelter. Yeah, it's great. It's spot. very Bushwick. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, he's just living this life of, 
you know, having vampire strengths, but not vampire weaknesses. And he's dealing with the struggle of also being human, which man, who could imagine that? Well, he doesn't kind of, uh, I, I will say that in this movie, like I said, vampires seem to be all weaknesses. And I guess it's, it's like, uh, like we said, Steven Dorff's girlfriend seems to be kind of fast. Yeah. Like she runs. Yeah, she's got some moves. Some super strength. I think vampires have like super strength sometimes. Seems like but do they? <laughs> they can definitely like jump, like the long jump. They definitely excel at. Yeah. yeah I don't know, yeah. man. Even at the end when Steven Dorff has like the blood god powers, he like uh, does a classic vampire jump at Blade and he doesn't seem to go very far. He just kind of like... <laughs> He has some hyper speed. I, goes up in the air. <laughs> I was gonna say, there's Blade has no downtime in this movie. Like he's constantly killing vampires. He doesn't take a day off. Um, we start at a time like there's not like a like a thing he's working towards at the beginning. He's just like, oh, it's Saturday. I gotta go kill every vampire I see. <laughs> like that's what I love about this movie. As for, <laughs> like I was surprised to read how many like reshoots and stuff there was because it seems like there were no notes, you know, maybe maybe I'm just like in the context of a uh, of today's moviegoers where I feel like every studio has to be like, well what like what is he doing when he's not hunting vampires? That's what I want to like, know. What does Blade want to do when like shouldn't there be discussions like what happens when you kill the last vampire? What do you do then? And he's like, no, no, it's, it's like I'm going to kill that vampire. <laughs> uh, he's the master of his own schedule. I mean, he doesn't have a boss. He's not reporting to anybody. He's just, he brings about all this stress on himself and, uh, you know, it shows. Like, him and Whistler <laughs> never talk about anything but vampire. Like, it's just exhausting. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think you guys just have never been really passionate about anything. The way that I mean, about fucking killing vampires. Yeah, man. <laughs> He cares. If there were vampires in this world, then maybe. But other than that, I can't. This find is it. a movie about singular passion. Like Blade wants to kill vampires, and vampires want to dance all night long <laughs> and sleep all day. That's <laughs> yeah. all that they want. That's all they want to do. These are simple people who know what they want in life, yeah. and it's a beautiful thing. And there's that fat guy in the library. I don't know what he wants. Pearl. To help Steven Dorff. He just wants to be employed, man. (laughs) There was a like Daft Punk style cameo where they're out on the beach and they like sacrifice one of their own vampires. And then as the sun comes up, they like have the Daft Punk helmets on and just flip the (laughs) visor down. There's that scene. And then like, like that one vampire is getting burned, but everybody else seems to be fine. I guess they're using the sunblock that. Like they, they needed one scene where Steven Dorff and uh, Blade like confront each other before like the big showdown, and it's just in the daytime. And then there's like one mention of like Blade going like, "I guess you got sunblock." And you're like, "Oh, so that's why he's able to be outside?" Or did I miss something there too? Yeah, there are inconsistencies that I think that uh, if we're talking about plot inconsistencies, like one of the things is that some vampires get like. They bump into something uh, made of silver and they just burst into flames. Yeah. And then, like, uh, some vampires get, like, they get a, a silver thing stuck through their shoulder and nothing happens. They just are in pain. Yeah. And then uh, the idea that, yeah, that these old vampires never thought of just, like, wearing clothes over their body and going outside <laughs> every once in a while. Yeah. So I've been alive for 400 years, but uh, I shouldn't. I don't, I don't even want to try going outside during the daytime. <laughs> But uh, there was a great uh, like trivia thing on IMDb of um, 
Stephen, like, so that scene where Stephen Dorff is holding the, uh, like, little Asian girl that he found hostage, and then, like, you know, he's, like, telling Blade, like, his plan almost. That was his first day on set. And, uh, like, he didn't really know the motive for Deacon Frost yet. And then, like, uh, Wesley Snipes is like, you got you to gotta trust me. You got to trust Blade. Let me tell you what to do. <laughs> and he was, like, giving him, like, conflicting stuff than what the director was doing. And it was, like, a big to-do. And, like, Wesley was quite upset with him. And then, like, all these other producers just happened to be on set that day. And Steven Dorff was, like, having a meltdown. He was like, I, can't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm pissing off my co-star. Uh, I can't get the monologue right. <laughs> nightmare (laughs) let's get into track 12 this is new order with confusion pump panel reconstruction mix This is in my mind. This is the iconic uh, track from the soundtrack. This is yeah. from the the first scene, the, <laughs> the classic vampire scene. disco. If I was a vampire and I had been alive for four hundred years, I think I'd be pretty jazzed on electronic music. <laughs> yeah, the you're like the song. That, I was like, this is incredible. It's ten minutes <laughs> long, which for a vampire is a blink of an eye. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man. When Growing cl- up, I had I, like I knew this song. I had I hadn't. I, I guess I knew it was a New Order song, but I had no idea. I, I didn't connect it back to New Order, which uh, in retrospect is totally understandable because this sounds nothing like the original song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Confusion, I think, was their follow up to Blue Monday, like one of their early singles, and it's a a good song. It's not a great song. It's a good song, but it doesn't sound like this very much at all. This style of like naming remixes creatively is something that's just disappeared because these days it's <laughs> yeah. just like remix by someone or it'll just say remix. This is like pump panel reconstruction mix. Yeah, it's like, are you so, like it's trying so hard to be industrial? If you, cool. Are you pump panel? So, so the reality is <laughs> pump panel is the person that remixed it and it's the reconstruction mix, but maybe, right. maybe it's the panel reconstruction is the person is their pump mix. <laughs> <laughs> you're so right nick i remember like down- people need to calm down with this shit. dude late 90s early 2000s it was like motorcycle remix or like you know <laughs> jet engine remix you're just like all right turbo time party <laughs> remix dude pump panel did not get the, the daft punk like memo that you could totally rip off a song and just just don't make any reference to it having been another song yeah like sounds- nobody would nobody would listen to this and be like oh this is oh is this confusion by new order <laughs> yeah, like, so right. like it's yeah they, they started from just, scratch too it seems like on this one yeah, yeah. this is a completely different song man don't give the don't give new order any more money <laughs> yeah man just name it something different and there's your single Crazy. Well, what was that you shared with us earlier today Oh yeah, it was uh, Peter Hook was talking about Neo Morricone. We don't. There are like so many great musicians that we talk about on this podcast, or 
that we will get around to talking about eventually that pass away. This is just like, I feel like a lot of my favorite music um, was written and performed by people that are entering their like 70s and 80s. So it's just kind of, I feel like we would be uh, memorializing people every week. All the time, yeah. It's tough. But I guess we should mention Ennio Morricone, um, as we record this, has passed away who is like a monster of soundtracking. Not really the type of soundtracks that we talk about, like uh, some of the most iconic scores for some of the greatest movies. Mm -hmm. But uh, the clip that I have been kind of obsessed with was Peter Hook, basically talking about how he ripped off the baseline for Blue Monday from Ennio Morricone. It was the, it was, was it for a a fistful of dollars? A few dollars more or something like that. For a few dollars more. One of the, the, uh, the unnamed man trilogies or whatever and it's it's amazing dum, 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 dum. yeah it's it's uh it's pretty genius yeah <laughs> which i i mean i as i've stated on the podcast before i can listen to blue monday like again like on repeat for up to an hour and not get tired of it it's like it's oh, so yeah. good it's so good it's the best baseline ever and i didn't realize it came from uh, Morricone. The fact that Peter Hook uh, ripped off the baseline for Blue Monday and just like made their own song, and then fucking pump panel. Pump panel. <laughs> you had to call this remix. You couldn't just pretend it was original song, which it definitely is. Yeah. Let's give credit where credits <laughs> due. <laughs> just too much, too much. I had to play by the rules. But uh, I, I really like. I mean, it's very '90s, but I really like this song. It's a great song. It's very prodigy. Rest in peace, prodigy man. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into track number 13. This is Expansion Union with Playing With Lighting. That's very prodigy. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a prodigy. Early prodigy. <laughs> that sounds like it could be off of Fat of the Land. It's very... Like, Expansion Union, I don't know anything about them. Uh, they are not hyperlinked on Wikipedia, that's for sure. <laughs> I just know this is playing uh, when Deacon has become the blood god, La Magra. They had a few like promo albums, a couple of 12 inches, but... Just all around ninety eight, ninety nine, and um, that was about it. So I, uh, I was reading. Apparently, uh, when they were doing the first um, screenings of this film, the screenings that bombed so uh, so badly, they had a different ending where uh, where Stephen Dorff turned into a big swirling blood blob mm-hmm. that uh, <laughs> that Blade was like kind of like trying to fight in a weird way. I feel like I've yeah. seen that version. I'm not even kidding. That was the thing. Is that, uh, I so I <laughs> I had the DVD and it was on the special features and I put it on and I was like, oh, I wonder. How th-. And it's like, oh yeah, we had like the rough CGI in 1998. 
rough CGI was very rough. rough. Yeah, uh, it's like Q spawn yeah, from what I was talking yeah, about earlier. So it has this yeah. like this crazy blood tornado thing, but then they just kind of have a floating like cut out picture of Steven Dorf acting put on top of it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny the whole time i was watching i was like oh yeah this would like this would be a lot worse and i was like or would it be worse or and i couldn't tell because there was just like this this like floating square <laughs> of fucking <laughs> steven dorf like zooming in the, in the middle of the movie <laughs> it's so fucking weird i mean it half of it makes sense that like the climax of this film is a little anticlimactic in that Steven Dorf is like, now I'm a god, but he just is still a little white guy with like cute hair. Yeah, and he gets killed like very yeah. shortly after becoming a god. And so uh, the the original ending, it's a little bit stupid in that it's like Wesley Snipes is trying to like kick a giant tornado. <laughs> but it also makes sense that he turned into something kind of like terrifying. Yeah. In in mm-hmm. the final film, he doesn't turn into anything terrifying. They just be like a bigger vampire. Be like a gross, like ghoul vampire that's huge. And then you can still fight you know that. What would, be, like, what would be terrifying is a version of Steven Dorf that's slightly taller than Wesley Snipes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I would do with that. For, that would, I would run. Yeah. So I don't think we, the, the technology wasn't possible. Yeah, we don't have the technology. For a tall dwarf. For an apple yeah. crate to put underneath Dwarf. <laughs> I've also heard, so, uh, what's the guy's name? Stephen uh, Norrington, who was one of the filmmakers of this, um, directed it. He came in as, you mentioned Morbius earlier. He was in a deleted scene as Morbius uh, when he was in Moscow. Uh, Because I guess, you know, I, I still don't understand why Blade was in Moscow at the end of it, just like to continue his hunt. Uh, or look for, yeah. you know, I don't, I, it doesn't make any sense. But it was like, if you want to track vampires, you have to get involved in electronic music message boards. <laughs> and if you go there, you realize it's LA, it's Moscow, probably somewhere in Sweden. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oslo <laughs> in Norway. <laughs> Dude, uh, the Morbius film, which is supposedly going to come out, I think it's maybe been shot already. It's a Jared Leto in the lead. That makes sense. He's got like it's a weird. Be so bad. He's got a weird like uh, it's, impish it's like, nose. You know. It's like a Sony film that's um, Morbius is technically like a Spider-Man villain, even though he's kind of a good guy some of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of connected to Spider-Man. Also, uh, Whistler was his first appearance was in the Spider-Man like the '94 animated series. And they just like added yeah. him in as like an exposition type guy. It was like a helper to Blade, and they liked him so much that like Marvel kind of put him in the the canon, which is uh, that happened with Harley Quinn as well in the Batman yeah. animated series. They were just like, ah, Joker needs somebody to like riff with. Let's give him a girlfriend, and then like she is you know huge now, which is it's kind of yeah. cool how that happens. Harley Quinn, Whistler, who's the biggest cultural star? Time will tell. <laughs> Yeah. Track 14, <laughs> DJ Crush with Dig This Vibe.
this was definitely in the movie. This is like a. I remember that song for sure towards the beginning. It's a weird sped up scene where uh, where Blades like track. He's like following the cop through L.A. DJ Crush. This is you know very trip hoppy. He's a uh, kind of interestingly uh, escaped the Yakuza to become a DJ. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That's horrifying that's the thing (laughs) did he have a hit on his what did he do to the yakuza or was he part Uh, of it and then he had to like he was he was he was a part of the yakuza when he was a young guy um he was he was just reinforcing the 90s stereotype of japan where you're either a trip-hop dj or a member of the yakuza (laughs) i do feel like (laughs) of all the um of all like the mobs to be involved with, I feel like the Yakuza would be most understanding of um, you having to leave because they just run it like a corporation more than anything. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. we're disappointed in your decision, but um, we understand that you're a young man and you have a few things to, uh, to take care of. And you have some music commitments. Just cut off your <laughs> See, pinky I, and then we're I think that good. If, you were in the, if you were in the Russian mob and then you started, uh, if your DJing career really started to take off, Oh, yeah. I feel like they'd be pretty pumped about that. I mean, <laughs> but they wouldn't let you go. They need a piece of the pie. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they would also be like, you know, Russian mobsters are like vampires. They just want to dance all night. <laughs> That's true. <Yeah>. That's true. <laughs> oh, Wait, have we talked about the third movie very much at all? <laughs> not that much. We got to talk about it because we're not going to do it. <laughs> it was uh, one of the many failed Ryan Reynolds um early Ryan Reynolds comic book movies before Deadpool finally got it right. Yeah, man. I mean, they gave him Ryan Reynolds has had the most chances of anybody in the Marvel cinematic universe, maybe, but green lantern. Well, I, well that that's DC. Uh, but yeah, yeah uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> in the third one, I think what happened was that blade was supposed to be the star, but Wesley Snipes wouldn't come out of his trailer and so then Ryan Reynolds became like the lead of the movie, essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was all over that movie, man. <laughs> but it's like, who else is in that film? Natasha, uh, Natasha Leone, is that what her name is? From Russian Doll. Yeah. Uh, Parker Posey, um, isn't it? Parker Posey. Triple H. Jessica Biel. It's the vampire. <laughs> Did this, you, that cast now would be great in a movie. I know, I know. <laughs> Even with Wesley's name. <laughs> If you told me that you had a vampire movie that was coming out in 2021 with Jessica Biel, uh, Patton Oswalt, Wesley Snipes, Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> Perker Posey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Natasha Leon. All aboard. Yeah. How, how did oh, they I fuck it up it. is what I'm wondering. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we move on to the final track? What do we think? Are we ready, yeah. to, ready to stake a stick in this <laughs> or stick a stake in this? What kind of what style of music you think we got for the last track? You think it's gonna peter out here and uh, go off into some Chicago territory? I mean, so far it's it's techno to the end. Yeah, this is the last track, track fifteen, Junkie XL with dealing with the roster.
What do you know? <laughs> Junkie you XL know? is a, a Dutch DJ, producer, composer. Uh, yeah. He's a guy that if you send him a brief that says, we couldn't get Prodigy for the soundtrack, can send you a Prodigy song. <laughs> and that's what he did. Uh, he's worked with Hans Zimmer. He's, done, he's worked on the soundtracks for Man of Steel, uh, Batman vs. Superman, Mad Max Fury Road, which is so good. Deadpool, yeah. talking about Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Tomb Raider, a uh, ton of stuff. Yeah, uh, I know him from that, uh, like the techno Elvis remix. That's like the a little less conversation, oh, a little yeah. more action, which I think was. I'm trying to think what commercial that. I think it was like a Nike commercial, maybe, and it was just people mm-hmm. running instead of talking, something like that. I think I remember that as a commercial, maybe even for Las Vegas as like a destination spot, where it's like oh, yeah, vacation yeah. in Vegas. <laughs> Just people like throwing dice and like <laughs> that makes sense. Eyeballing a hooker at the end of the bar. Uh, <laughs> this song, you know, for a for a prodigy clone, the song is actually kind of good. Yeah, no, Junkie XL is good. I mean, it's just yeah. derivative, but still get derivative <laughs> of something good. <laughs> like he had some music that was uh, featured in The Sims Three. Oh yeah, oh, this guy's been all over the place, man. Yeah, he's been everywhere. Shark's man. tail. This guy's a gr- mega mind. Uh, <laughs> he's a grinder. I I appreciate people with careers like this, where it's like, yeah, they had like the weird '90s, like they were, you know, on the, on the top of the Dutch club scene or whatever, and then ended up working for like a bunch of uh, Hans Zimmer projects, I guess. Yeah, whatever the- that. What's Hans Zimmer's company called? It's a. It's it's one of these giant. Um, wow, media. <laughs> Hans Zimmer Worldwide. <laughs> uh, remote Control Productions, uh, okay. I think is what it is. They do yeah, like, control. the music for half of like every blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's everything. His studio is incredible and fully staffed by little Zimmer minions. <laughs> little Zimmerman? <laughs> yeah, little Zimmermans. <laughs> Bob Dylan. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, that's, guys. Uh, that's Blade. That's Blade, baby. As a Blade soundtrack, uh, now we have to review this thing out of fifteen. What are we? What are we giving this out of fifteen? What's? Ooh, out of uh, fifteen snipes. Snipes. Fifteen snipes. Fifteen Wesleys. Fifteen, 15 bites. Uh, Donald Logue's severed <laughs> arms. Uh, fifteen cloves of garlic. <laughs> fifteen Whistlers. God, All right, God Chris, damn it, of, uh, keep it going. <laughs> out of 15 cloves of garlic, deadly cloves of garlic, decimal points allowed, what are you going to give the soundtrack? Um, I mean, the funny thing about it is like the, the majority of the hip hop is like medium to good. Uh, I don't think there was any, there was maybe like one or two standout tracks that I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, toe tapping. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, there was some stinkers on there. Um, but all in all, like it's a really solid soundtrack, but I have to take a little bit of points away from, I don't like those, like these soundtracks that are inspired by the film because it doesn't remind you of the movie. You're like, this is a separate thing, but all in all, like some pretty good musicianship on this thing. I'm going to give it an 11.9. Wow. Good techno, good vibe for them. I mean, it's the vibe of the movie is captured pretty well in this, but, um, yeah, you know, 11.9. Very nice. Nikki, what, what do you think? You know, this soundtrack is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of the music 
fits in with the movie and it's very of the time. I don't know if it's necessarily uh, a soundtrack that I would listen to, you know, today, but um, yeah, for 1998, like electronic music scene sounds about right. (laughs) And (laughs) sounds accurate to the time. Yeah. And you know, kind of like Chris said too, like some of the hip hops or some of the hip hop stuff that's in there is, uh, you know, it's not like the best hip hop, but it's not terrible. Um, I think the soundtrack is extra medium. I'm going to have to give it a 8.0 cloves of garlic. All right. Very good. It's funny. This is, we've had occasion to revisit a lot of, uh, soundtracks that I owned that I listened to a lot. And I remember distinctly watching this film and being like, really obsessed with the music in it which was for the most part just that one new order remix Mm -hmm. and a little bit some of the other club music and like being like i gotta get that soundtrack and like realizing that i think a lot of people were probably asking the same question and then they were like okay well this movie really only has like five songs what what do we do uh so it's definitely like a little bit of a bipolar soundtrack and they added, I kind of like that. It's a bunch of hip hop, even though I I'm not that impressed with a lot of it. I think that that, uh, gangstar MOP song is actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, I'm, I really didn't enjoy it that much. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the, the Mantronics EPMD is like a little bit, I would classify that on being the electronic side of it. I guess I, I don't think I can give this anything higher than maybe a 5.9. Um, I think I picked it most, like, I love this movie probably more than I should. I, I enjoy watching the movie a lot, and I love that weird uh, remix. Of it's of all remixes, it's the craziest thing I've ever heard that it has nothing to do with the original. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm kind of obsessed yeah, with it. Yeah, I had to dock it, like, some points for not having hardly any music that's in the film. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I had a great time reviewing it with you guys, but not a great soundtrack in my mind. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Before we go, we do have to do one last thing, which is uh, to recommend a song to the Tracklisting Spotify playlist, our favorite Sucky song, which is... Song uh, that sucks. Uh, I'm glad that you guys liked the Blade soundtrack better than I did, because uh, <laughs> if we were adding another Sucky song to a Sucky soundtrack, I don't know <laughs> how people are going to feel about it. Uh <laughs> So this is kind of a funny, um, a funny thing to think about because I do want to recommend songs that I actually enjoy listening to. So the idea of like, what is a song that sucks that you kind of still like? So I went with a song. This is like, uh, I would say it's like a little bit of a rediscovered. Actually, I mean, even last week I picked kind of a rediscovered song, but this is, uh, I don't know if you would call it even outsider art. It was a song from the 80s i don't think anybody's even nailed down what year it was recorded in because it was self-released and um recently rediscovered and reissued by david burns uh what's his label called luaka luaka bob it's, it's luaka bob is this lewis uh no this is okay a song called gentle persuasion by doug Harim blunt who was a a full-time nurse who apparently answered an ad i guess it's like i don't know if it was like a learning annex it was like a learn how to start a band for adults and he showed up and he formed a band with the other people that answered the ad and i think maybe the uh the the music teacher and his wife and they 
they recorded a record and he released it himself. And then, uh, you know, like 40 years later or something, people rediscovered it and decided to release it. And this is uh, Gel and Persuasion. And it's pretty goofy and lo-fi, but I kind of still love it. When you're walking down the street super weird like kind of reminds people of a like a funky version of the shags or like one of those like weird amateur you know it's like what would music sound like if it was made by somebody who had never heard music that was kind of good i don't don't know if that was sucky it's kind of sucky dude that was good good. (laughs) i'm digging it yeah man it's good good stuff have you ever seen the movie uh off the charts uh no. no it's about song poems and I, it made me like want to almost recommend something by it, but I'll, it'll be an honorable mention. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's about guys who um, like have like an ad in the paper that's like, "Do you want a song? Just like send <laughs> us your poem, and we'll write you one. It's three hundred dollars, and like you send in your crappy poem, and they, oh, and they yeah. is this a, is this a blind man's penis? <laughs> Wait, I don't, I don't know about that. Wait, what is that? <laughs> well, one song I know about that uh, has that narrative is this uh this guy wrote a poem called a blind man's penis is erect because he's blind and he he he, he uh, sent it to one of those companies and they sent him back the song and he posted it and it's like it's them just doing like a conway twitty narration of that line over and over again <laughs> under like a skiffle beat yeah. i mean like but, the uh, people that make these songs are like you know good musicians and they just crank it out in like 30 minutes when they like really like, ah, okay, cool. Yeah, let's do this. And they send it back and when they press these records and then they're like, they've become collector's items, but Juan Caglar Singletary is probably my favorite. And his song, uh, uh, nonviolent Taekwondo troopers is really good. <laughs> and, uh, Annie Oakley is another one by him, but yeah, it's, it's off the charts is a great, um, documentary. You gotta watch it about outsider artists i guess all right chrissy why don't you jump in what is your what is your sucky song i mean besides Juan Caglar, singletary's non-violent yeah. taekwondo troopers um i initially recommended this song on an episode that wasn't uh ever gonna see the light of day uh so the ghostbusters one and um this is a it's a sucky song uh, but I think about it all the time and like I sing it to myself in the shower. Um, this is when, when the Beatles met Frankenstein, uh, by Dickie Goodman. So can we just hear that song? Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's, uh, like it falls under that category of like spooky surf rock. Like I guess the sixties surf rock stuff was happening. And, and then like, you know, Scooby Doo is thrown in there somewhere. I don't know. Like, but, um, Dude, the, the first time you recommended that on one of our test episodes, it was before the, the show, I think you should leave came out. <laughs> that, I was going to say the same thing. It <laughs> reminds me of that song. Out. And the skeletons and the bones and the money and the money. Skeletons are made of bones and their bones are in the ground. <laughs> oh, bones so are skeletons, so money, bones <laughs> equal dollars. I've never seen so much food Oh, man. I can't wait for season two oh, of that man. show whenever oh, it comes oh, It's the great. most replay value ever. Anyway, that's um, a parody song by Dickie Goodman, who was kind of like a like I guess like a just a American producer who just started coming out with his own novelty records. <laughs> um, and his whole point of that song is like, oh, Frankenstein's got the same haircut as these new Beatle guys. That's crazy. <laughs> now he should be in the band. So here's a song. <laughs> but again, that that uh, that song's burned into my mind, and I'm so pissed that I found it in the first place. <laughs> Oh, that's but, great. Um, it's, that song sucks, but I kind of love it. <laughs> I love to torture myself thinking about it. Right. We'll have to see if it's on Spotify. Nikki, what is what is your recommendation? <laughs> for my uh, sucky song, I've actually got a, uh, a cover here for us. Oh, uh, by, a cover that sucks. This is new for this is new uh, for our podcast. Uh, suck. <laughs> this is a keyboard player slash singer that needs no introduction, but we'll give him one. This is Gleefy Bal Brat. God damn it, his name sucks. <laughs> this is Gle- <laughs> wow. <laughs> this, Get through is- it. this is Gleefy Browley covering another brick in the wall. Let's hear a little taste of that. <laughs> This guy, if you can't, t- this guy's the real deal. <laughs> Get it, Gleefy. And this is one of his like mini, mini cover songs. He's got a music video um, where he performs "Take on Me." That's even better than this cover. Oof! How can you top that? And um, I think I originally found this uh, great performer on uh, on Reddit. Yeah. So it's a deep uh, Reddit. Someone posted this in like a Pink Floyd thing. Uh, like, hey, check out this <laughs> awesome cover. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Assuming an R cringe or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that, that's sucky, man. Yeah, Thank you, Mickey. Really sucky. <laughs> <Yeah>. No problem. <laughs> what, what's the effect he's using on the keyboards? 
Yeah, he's he's kind of got these like big hands, and he kind of just like <laughs> uses his whole hand. To, oh man, and he's he's kind of like this self branded guy. I think he started out trying to be kind of serious about it, and then realized that he was getting some kind of some people were watching his stuff, so he just kept going. Uh, those are always just like cautionary tales, <laughs> like. There's a there's yeah. a comedian back in Fort Worth, and I won't even give him. I, I hate him now because he's gone like total, uh, like worm brain, uh, conservative on like not yeah. trusting anybody, anti-vax, like don't wear a mask kind of guy. Uh, but he was so bad at stand-up that he was hilarious, and then people would like book him on shows, and he didn't realize like we were laughing kind of at him. Right. And then it created this monster and that he's like, he like stopped getting booked because of the novelty war. Then he's like, what the fuck's going on? Like, why am I not getting booked anymore? And we we're like, oh, you oh, never man. will know why we laughed at you. Because you were so it's like what happened with like Tommy, Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, too. like yeah. it's, it's, you know? it's kind of gross. I don't know. Uh, William Hung is a poor guy. <laughs> it's like using this poor idiot. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man, sucky songs. Good job, yeah. guys. Oh boy! Good. All right. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening to the Blade soundtrack with me, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah thank you, guys. That was great. That was a trip. That was a trip. Dude, <laughs> if you guys, I don't think this movie is streaming anywhere uh, convenient. <laughs> but if you guys have a way to rewatch it, I think it's worth a rewatch. There's how many? There's like one blockbuster left in Anchorage <laughs> that you could probably find this. Yeah, at. I thought it was in Oregon somewhere. I think it is in Oregon actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you guys. I think it's uh, I think it's a Nick pick next week. Nice. Oh, yeah. Sounds good to me. Hey, Blade Two, Blade Three, double feature. Yeah. <laughs> back to back, Blade to Blade. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Wesley Snipes, for all of your uh, for all of your acting efforts. Yeah. And thank you to uh, Pump Panel for that reconstruction mix. We'll never forget it. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you're staying safe. We love you. We'll see you next week.